Welcome to another episode of the Destination Begin podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Smith, and on today's episode, I get a little preachy. I get pretty fired up and passionate. Most of all, I get really blunt about all the ways that we tend to lie to ourselves when it comes to losing weight. It's a new year, new you. It's time to get real honest. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about an uncomfortable thing, and that's how we tend to lie to ourselves. And I'm thinking about this topic because I was doing a little research on failed New Year's resolutions because it's mid-January and this is where the rubber meets the road a little bit. If you've made a weight loss goal, most likely you've experienced some big results in your first week and then the second week gets a little harder and According to a study that I just read today, 80% of New Year's resolutions are broken by the second week in February. 80%. That means the odds are stacked against you. And I think the reason that that is may be because it's really hard to be honest with yourself and it's really hard to be hard on yourself. And to change, it requires you to be hard on yourself. Our bodies and our systems are very efficient. Your body is amazing and learns how to be efficient really quickly and to adapt to the path of least resistance. And so when you try to change that and get out of your comfort zone, your body fights you, your mind fights you, everything fights you. And you have to push through that before things become habit and normal and the new way that your body and mind function. So it's really easy to lie to ourselves and to quit when things get tough. So first of all, what I want to talk about is this verbiage that gets used around diets. I hear it all the time. I have friends that live all kinds of lifestyles, um, vegans, vegetarians, people who follow a ketogenic diet, people who are paleo, people who've been counting their calories for years, So many different experiences, all very successful in managing their weight and wellness. And so I don't argue with any of them, even though it's it's funny. I I laugh a lot at just how opposite the diets are of a lot of the people that I know. And from all appearances, they all are very healthy. And um, I get real frustrated at that too. I don't know if you do, but like, I mean, science is supposed to be science. And yet all of these different diets can prove their validity based on science and research, but they all have research and science to back them up. And so it's like, ah, so that's why I say you have to do what works for you. But anyway, there's all of these different ways to eat. And if you start out the new year and you've decided to try a new plan for how you eat, I hate the word diet, but I'm going to use it in this episode because it's just easier. But so if you try a new diet, and you get to that second week of February and you quit or you're not doing it anymore, the verbiage tends to be that mm, the keto diet doesn't work or I tried Weight Watchers, it doesn't work or it doesn't work for me or paleo doesn't work for me. Okay, I'm going to just say that's a lie because keto works if you work it. Calorie counting works if you do it. Weight Watchers works if you do it. These are diets that are built. They're def- by definition, they're intended for you to lose weight. And so if you do it, if you follow it, you should have some success. Um, you know, weight loss is math. 
it's calories in versus calorie expenditure. And so if you tried keto and it didn't work for you, if you didn't lose any weight, I'm going to say I'm an adventurer that you were eating too many calories. You can definitely enjoy the heck out of some eggs and bacon on keto, but if you eat more calories than you burn, you are not going to lose weight. Conversely, you may find yourself gaining weight. And so it's really important to use the correct verbiage and be very honest with what happened. Did you give it a fair shake? Did you follow it completely? Um, With calorie counting, that's simple math too. And so it's important to say that a diet doesn't fail. We do. And I'm saying we because it sounds nicer than saying you do because I'm not here to be mean. But I I also am not here to pet you. Um, I have never gotten anywhere by petting and by lying to myself. And I have spent a lot of years of my life lying to myself. And the only time that I found really sustainable change was when I decided to get really honest with myself and be really tough on myself. Because people out there aren't going to be tough on you. People out there know that you can't do that. So the only person that can be tough on you and get away with it is you. And apparently me, because I'm like yelling at you on this podcast. But don't go away. I have some really good stuff to tell you. So (laughs) diets don't fail, we do. Um, The number one way that a diet no longer becomes priority is when we start to make little compromises, when we start to let things slide. It's really easy to lick a spoon 10 times. Um, It's really easy to sneak a little bite of something or a sample of something. And yes, on that day, it may not matter. But what you've done is you've opened the door a little bit and you've started to slow down the momentum that you were making in solidifying your new diet. And so it's important to note those little compromises. Maybe you hit the snooze on a Monday and yeah, maybe you went to the gym on Tuesday, but hitting the snooze on Wednesday or Friday becomes a lot easier once you've already done it. And pretty soon it becomes, uh, I slid back into my old habit and I'm not getting up for the gym. Um, Those little compromises add up and they contribute to the demise of our new best laid plans. We also tend to treat ourselves a little bit too much. I've been doing really good on my diet for a whole week, so I'm going to have an ice cream cone. I'm going to have a small ice cream cone. And while, again, that may not hurt anything on that day, but what you've done is you've lit up those pleasure sensors, you've rewarded yourself with food, which is reinforcing this idea that food is a gift and a treat and emotional connection. And just remember, if you want to lose weight, you have excess weight. And how did that happen? Probably by treating yourself too much. So when you're really trying to lose weight and solidify a new way of eating, this isn't the time to treat yourself. It's helpful to say, you know what, I've had my lifetime's share of peanut butter M&Ms. I don't need any more of those or whatever it is. You've clearly, if you have weight to lose, and I'm not telling you you do, if you're on a diet, you've identified that, not me, then 
you've probably had enough treating yourself for a while. And it's helpful to say that to yourself. You know what? I've had enough chocolate cake. Not having it right now. I had my share for a long time. Be hard on yourself. Be hard on yourself. You have a primal instinct in your brain that just wants you to be comfortable and safe and alive. That's the voice. When you say, I'm not going to eat chocolate cake, and all of a sudden you hear in your head 10 reasons why you should, that voice is your primal lizard brain that wants you to be comfortable, wants you to indulge, wants you to either eat, kill, or mate with everything. And you can shut that down and say, nope, you're the voice that got me here. I'm not listening to it. I'm going to listen to the voice that says, I want to reach my goals. Stop treating yourself. Another reason why we tend to fail at a diet is because we like to diet hop. This also, I've been so guilty of this because when you pick a plan, oftentimes you don't count up all the cost. So you say, I'm going keto and it's going great. But then you go, oh man, I can't have gluten-free toast. I love gluten-free toast. I have gluten-free toast every Saturday. Wait a minute. Okay, this isn't working. I think on Saturdays, I'm just going to count my calories and it'll be fine. And so then you do that. And then Sunday, oh, I really, really want to have some of that fruit and I can't have that fruit on keto. And so I think I'll be keto Monday through Friday. And then on the weekend, I'll count calories. And then you end up tweaking and modifying and jumping around to where you're not even following a diet and you're not being consistent. And you're sucked into this grass is greener mentality. And the grass is not greener on a keto diet. The grass is greener where you water it. So whatever you have chosen, do it. And that sounds super simple, but it's not because no matter what plan you're following, you're going to have to say no sometimes to what your instinct wants. You're going to have to say no to some urges and some cravings. And you may have to say goodbye to some favorite foods for a while or forever. It's not going to be comfortable all the time. We also lie to ourselves because we don't need to eat as much as we think. Uh, The nutritional information on foods, on packaged foods, lists a 2,000 calorie diet. I have no idea who eats 2,000 calories a day and loses weight, but it's easy when you're in the moment to say, oh, this is only 10% of my daily caloric needs. Well, yeah, if if you can eat 2,000 calories a day, but you don't always know that. And it's kind of devastating when you really understand how much your body needs to function and how much is extra. And when I say devastating, I mean it because I can't eat a whole lot and it's so sad because I love to eat. But so you can go online, uh, bmr.org is the easiest one, but you can calculate your basal metabolic rate. And your basal metabolic rate is simply an estimate of the number of calories that your body burns at rest. So if you were to stay in bed all day, not do anything, the number, your basal metabolic rate, represents how many calories you would burn just by breathing, pumping oxygen and blood, keeping you alive. So if you have a desk job and you do get up and move around, of course, like you drive to work and you get ready, 
but you're not working out and then you go to work and you sit like I do, I sit all day long, you're not burning a whole lot more than your basal metabolic rate. And so for me, this is so depressing. When I put everything in and calculate it, my basal metabolic rate is 1458. So the most I can eat in a day when I don't do anything is 1,458 calories, which is not a lot of food. And so I have to work out. I always say I work out a lot because I have to do that to wipe out the fact that I sit on my butt for 10 hours and do nothing. And it's a sobering and not a super fun fact that I can't just eat all the food I want and still sit and not gain weight. I don't want to gain weight. And so if I wanted to lose weight, if you think about losing a pound a week at 3,500 calories as a pound, and I wanted to lose it pretty reasonably at a pound a week, I'd have to have a 500 calorie a day deficit, which means I'd be eating under 1,000 calories, which is actually not safe to do. So for me to lose weight, it's going to happen really slowly at this point, and I can't eat a lot. And so it's important to just simply say, like, I may have to uh, not eat as much. And so to get your nutrition and your nutrients and your macro balance, you may be forced to just accept that you need to eat a lot of vegetables and clean, lean proteins and call it a day. Or if you're on something like keto, that you don't get to eat a pound of bacon and a dozen eggs um, or a giant ribeye. The bottom line is you need to understand what your body burns at rest and then go from there. And that, I'm so sad. Saying all that out loud just makes me so sad. But, you know, I've accepted it. And so off we go, right? Um, another way that we lie to ourselves is we're really not willing to lock the door. And when I say lock the door, I mean we have to be willing to make solid commitments to what our plan is. So if you choose a diet, you really need to take it seriously. We are not children here. At least I don't think we are. And you know what? If you decide to do something, there's something to be said to keeping your word and having the discipline of character to say, no, this is what I said I'm going to do. There is no second week of February where I quit. I'm going to do this. And often we chalk it up to willpower. Like we, we don't have enough willpower to stick to it. Well, I am going to tell you, you can make your diet have nothing to do with willpower because let me give you an example. If you walked past a bank and you saw that there was a teller sitting there counting a giant stack of money, does it require willpower for you not to run in and take all that money and run out? I'm guessing that it doesn't require any willpower at all because you're not a bank robber. And so you don't have to think about it. It's just your character. You don't rob banks, so you don't take the money. If you walk into a diner and the patron before you has left a $5 bill on the table for a tip and that waitress hasn't picked it up yet, would you take it if no one saw? I mean, some of you might, but I mean, I wouldn't. Why? Because I'm not a thief. And so when I say that I'm not going to eat sugar or a donut on a Friday or whatever it is, it doesn't take willpower for me not to do it. It's I don't go against my word. 
I stick to my diet. The end. I'm not a person who, well, for me, one of my rules is that I don't drink alcohol right now. So I'm not a person who drinks. I don't drink. I say it as part of who I am. I don't say, well, I can't have that drink. I can't rob the bank. Can't steal the waitress's tip. No, I don't drink. I'm not a thief. I'm not a bank robber. I don't drink. So that is a key tip to use to retrain your brain when it comes to food. Because the message out there is treat yourself. And if you're hungry, don't wait. And life is short and you need to enjoy yourself. Well, if you said that you are not going to eat something or you are going to stick to a diet, then do it. Be a person of character who actually will lock the door. And remember, things are not always going to taste good or be super convenient. I have eaten hard-boiled eggs from a gas station because I needed to hit my protein and my fat goal. That was the only option. And they weren't good, okay? They weren't good. They were rubbery. They were disgusting. And there wasn't even any mustard packets. But I had a job to do. Hit my protein goal and not eat a Snicker bar. Society would say, hungry, why wait? Have a Snicker bar. But I said, no, I'm going to hit my goals. And so I will eat these gas station hard-boiled eggs and it will be fine. And I, I still remember the like the smell of the hard-boiled juice, hard-boiled egg juice in the little packet is terrible. But the bottom line is, it's not always going to taste good. It's not always going to be convenient. And just because a label says that it's healthy doesn't mean it's healthy. Um, just because it's a protein bar doesn't mean the, you need to eat that either. Protein bars often masquerade as uh, as health food, but really the you may as well have a Snicker bar because. There's so much added sugar. Um, there's so many chemicals. So I'm a big fan of protein bars, actually, for read your labels. And you still don't need to grab one just because it's there and because it's quote-unquote healthy. You don't need to eat it. Another way that we lie to ourselves is we underestimate how many calories we eat. I'm not talking about portions that you buy in a package or whatnot. Those are typically a little easier to measure, but what I'm talking about is when you scoop the almond butter and you lick the spoon too, or you eyeball it in a recipe, um, licking the spoon, eating the last piece of pepperoni, pulling one little bite off the corner of a cookie, all of those things add up. Taking a sample, dude, if you go to like Sam's Club or Costco or a grocery store on a Saturday, that's a meal. All those little bites and tastes, <laughs> that's a meal. I'm sorry to break it to you. But um, a good rule of thumb that I use is if I can't measure it, I don't eat it. So I don't know how many calories are in a licked knife of almond butter. So I don't lick the knife. So it gets rinsed off, and that is very sad to see that go down the sink. But I'd rather have it go down the sink than onto my belly. So if I can't measure it, I don't eat it. All those things add up. And honestly, the difference between success and failure a lot of the times is that 10%, that little bit, that little decision over and over and over. I learned that when I did 75 hard, which was um, was hard. 
But it was just locking the door and it was those little things. There was never a bite off plan. There was never any food off plan. There was never cutting an exercise short. There was no shortcuts. It was 100% commitment. And that little bit of extra that I normally would slack on made the difference. So the 10% is where it's at. So while we underestimate how many calories we eat, a lot of times we overestimate how many calories we burn. Classic example is a heart rate monitor. If you wear one when you're in um, a spin class or at the gym or at any point in time, you have a Fitbit, those estimations are estimations. And if you go and eat that many calories on top of what you're supposed to have in a day, you very may well gain weight. Um, they're not they're not accurate all the time. And a lot of times, you know, if you walk to the gym and it's a few blocks or something like that, and it adds all of those calories up, well, you would have walked that anyway in your daily life. And so a lot of times those are overestimating how many calories you actually burn. So in my opinion, if you're trying to lose weight and you're working out, do not look at the calories burned. Just don't. It's, it's often good to just make a rule of thumb. If you work out for an hour super hard, you get X number of extra calories because you shouldn't underfeed yourself. But those heart rate monitors, if it says you burned 1,000 calories in an hour, I just don't buy it. And that's based on my experience. I mean, you do you, but I don't buy it. And I don't think you should either. Maybe half that. Maybe half that. Don't eat them though. If you're trying to lose weight, don't eat them. Consider it bonus weight being lost. Um, we also perceive that our effort is a lot higher than it is. There's so many times where I think when I look at my Fitbit that I was totally in the max heart rate zone the whole time. And no, I wasn't. It felt like I was dying, but I wasn't. My heart rate wasn't even as high as I even thought it was. So we overestimate our perceived effort. We overestimate how many calories we burn. We underestimate how much we eat. So this is a big area where we can really lie to ourselves. And part of that is we don't want to be deprived. And this is a word that really gets really gets me going. We talk about deprivation. And if you go to a social event and you don't drink or you don't have dessert, is that really deprivation? Like, come, come on. Like, we really need to be real about what the word deprived means. It's not sad. If you go out with a whole bunch of people and you're the only person not having a bite of the cheesecake, are you going to die? No, <laughs> you're not. And if you want to reach your goals, those are the choices that you have to make. And I'm telling you that as you do, those good choices add up and you start to feel confident. And you know what? People around you watch and they see that you're being a leader in making those decisions. And it's quite possible to go out, have fun, and not have dessert. Or go out, have fun, eat a salad with protein on it. Food is just food. Treats are going to be in existence until you die. You will have an opportunity to have ice cream again. I promise that you will have an opportunity to have cheesecake again. You will have an opportunity to eat donuts again. If you have goals and you have a timeline on those goals, if this is the year you want to clean up your diet and discipline yourself, put all that stuff in a different category. You don't do those things. You don't eat those things. And you're not deprived. Conversely, deprivation is a two-way street. If you're depriving yourself of the pleasure of eating cake, what you're not depriving yourself of is that feeling of self-confidence. And, and you're going to reach your goals, which means you're going to fit into the clothes that you want to fit into. 
You're going to look good in that bikini on the beach. If you have the cake, sure, you're not depriving yourself of the cake anymore, but you may be depriving yourself from wearing the bikini on the beach. So pick one. If you've set a goal and you want to reach it, don't deprive yourself of reaching your goal. You deserve to reach the goal. Put the cake down. Put the martini down. It's okay to sit on the couch and eat celery while your family eats popcorn. You have a goal. They may not. So this word deprivation and you have to live and life is meant to be lived and enjoyed. Guess what? You can live and enjoy your life just fine without indulging in treats and sweets and alcohol. You can. I promise you, you can. And when you've reached your goals and you are feeling amazing and you fit into that dress or that bikini or you've hit that goal weight or you've dropped your blood pressure or you've stopped taking insulin, why would you deprive yourself of reaching those goals? And once you have, then you can assess how those things fit in your life. But there's so much power to putting those things in a different category. They're just not things that you do while you're chasing your goals. So don't lie to yourself. Deprivation is a two-way street. If you don't remember anything from this podcast, remember that. Say, it's not fair. Everyone is eating all the treats and I don't get to have any. Well, what are they going to be saying when you look freaking rad after you've hit your weight loss goal? Oh, man. I wish I'd done that. Well, which one do you want? Do you want the sweets and treats now or do you want to reach your goal? It's just honesty. And now I'm beating a dead horse. I'm really sorry, but I really am passionate. You tell I'm very passionate about that. So those are just some of the ways that I myself have lied to myself. And so I'm guessing that some of you have done the same. So let's all make our resolution for 2020 to stop lying to ourselves to be a little harder on that lizard brain in our head. That brain of ours is a great asset. Like we're smart people, but it can also be our worst enemy. And there's no need to pet yourself. If you want to reach your goals, you got to be disciplined and you got to stop lying to yourself right now. Okay, I'm calmed down now. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode. I really appreciate the opportunity to tell you about my journey and the things I've learned along the way. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll share it with at least one friend. Share it to your social media. Truly want to get this in the hands of as many people that it may benefit as possible. And you can help make that happen for me. So please share. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe. If you listen on Spotify, please follow. Whatever medium you're using to listen to this podcast, please make sure that you don't miss a new episode and subscribe or follow. That's all I have for you today. We'll see you next week. Remember, there is no destination except to start and then you better slay hard and repeat.